Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Believe in Angels on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Well, welcome back everybody. It is my first episode since the beginning of the year, uh, which was January 9th, and now it is February 6th, and here we are. I'm Philip Katafimo, joined by my potential new co-host, Jim Eisenacher. Jim, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me back. I must have done something right. Well, you must have done something right indeed. Uh, so so I thought in honor of the new year, we should uh, go ahead and preview the NL and then go into the AL since, well, I waited too long and now it's almost spring training. So Jim, if you will have me, uh, we should start with the NL East. Who do you have winning the NL East? The NL East, I, I, I have to take the Mets. I mean, they're, they're the clear and obvious choice, are they not? You have your opinions. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm more interested in terms of the Mets. What's going to happen with uh, the whole sale of that team? But when it comes to the to the to the NL East, oof, there's not really a lot of options there, is it? Well, uh, I've kind of got three narrowed down that I, I feel like could easily win the division and or make the wild card. You know, play. I think the NL East we're going to get a lot of playoff contenders. Um, so I have the Braves once again winning the NL East because they are a very, very talented team. Uh, they were able to add Marcelo Suna. When you add him to that lineup that already consists of Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, you add in Marcelo Suna, and the middle portion of that lineup is already scary. And then they upgrade from Brian McCann to Travis Denard, who is a much better hitter than Brian McCann. Um, and I feel like a little bit better of a fielder. He's a little younger. He, he's got a little bit more life in his legs. So I feel like Travis Denard is a much better upgrade uh, than uh, – uh, gosh, I'm just blanked on his name. I just said it. The Brian McCann. There we are. Uh, I love the addition of Will Smith in the bullpen. I still think this team is, has a very unclear closer. Uh, they've got Mark Melanson. They've got Will Smith. They've got a couple guys who maybe could be their closer. I feel like they'll do more of a committee thing until they can find somebody. And I do like the addition of Cole Hamels. While he isn't going to be maybe as uh, high-profiled as the addition of Dallas Keuchel from last season, I still really like Cole Hamels. I think he's got two more years of consistent baseball before he hangs it up. I'd love to see him get one more championship, uh, but uh, I do like the addition of Cole Hamels for the Atlanta Braves. For me, that kind of puts them at number one. Yeah, for, for me, when I look at it, there's there's one team that jumps out to me in this, and it, it might surprise a couple people, but I I am all behind the Phillies this year, man. Yeah. Uh, I like a lot of the offseason stuff they've done, but really I just think they needed to take that year just to gel because you had Bryce Harper coming in. You had so many expectations that really, no matter what they did, it wasn't going to it wasn't gonna add up to what everybody thought it was, and then you throw in the fact that Washington, basically addition by subtraction, goes right. and wins the World Series without him. But uh, I, I, I want to see what's going to happen with McCutcheon bouncing back. There's a lot of question marks surrounding the Phillies. But I, I think that they have what it could take to get there. And really, I just want to see Bryce Harper possibly win comeback player of the year even. 
My biggest question with the Philadelphia Phillies, and I actually agree 100%, I think the Phillies are going to be significantly better than they were last season. Uh, like you just said, Jim, they still have Bryce Harper. They still have JT Realmuto. So they've got their two big additions from last year, and also Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, I almost called him McCutcheon, but Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, they also added D.D. Gregoriets, who I think is really going to shore, shore up their infield position. He's a great hitter down at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, the guy's got some pop in his bat. I love the addition of Zach Wheeler. Adding him alongside Aaron Nola is going to give them another ace in their rotation. I love Joe Girardi. I think the addition of Joe Girardi is going to be one of the most underrated additions in the entire offseason because Joe Girardi comes in with that playoff experience. He's dealt with the high-profile New York Yankees. Now he takes a step back and funny enough, manages the team he beat in the World Series in 2009. Now he's the Phillies manager. My biggest concern right now for Philadelphia is their inexperienced bullpen. They didn't necessarily add a Will Smith or trade for anybody or, or pick up a Dellen Batances. They didn't necessarily go after somebody who's got you know that experience pitching in high-pressure situations. Um, I know there's only like a handful of guys who you can really kind of nail down with that, but still, I think the Phillies sort of Achilles heel the rest of the season is going to be the fact that their bullpen is still relatively young. And honestly, there may be still a couple question marks in that rotation. Yeah, and it's really one of the more or less weaker divisions, in in my opinion. Right. Because, like you said, Miami looks almost as bad as that monstrosity out in center field. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, uh, who, who else is there? Uh, not not the, uh, who am I thinking of that's really bad? The Mets, who I just opened up this entire segment with. But see, that's. <laughs> That's how much of a threat I consider them when I can't even remember. They're, they're potentially going – are they going to sell the team? Are they not going to sell the team? First it's on, then it's off. Nobody knows what's going on there. Right. Nonetheless, what's going to happen on the field? Then you've got Carlos Beltran mm-hmm. no longer going to be managing them. So it, there's way too many question marks for them to even be a contender. Uh, when I look at Washington, I think that they're going to have a hangover effect from the World Series. So that narrows it down to the two teams you and I are picking – and I just think that Philly's going to come out swinging and potentially have a top-10 offense in Major League Baseball. I agree a lot with what you're saying. I think really Philadelphia and Atlanta could flip-flop that first and second spot. And definitely one of those two teams is going to be our wild-card representative, uh, no no questions asked. Uh, this is the very, very talented top of the division. Like you said, the bottom of the division is still kind of eh. Um, I'm a little bit higher on the Mets than you are. I actually have them finishing in third and possibly second. Um, I think this sort of, you know, all the the, the, the negativity surrounding the, the ownership and also the managerial situation, I think they'll find somebody if they haven't. I don't really remember if they have or not. But I think they'll find somebody who can kind of reel everybody in, much like the Astros are doing with Dusty Baker, kind of bringing somebody in who is a familiar face, somebody who has success and can kind of come in and be like, okay, guys, this is what's going to go on. We're going to continue with our season. We're going to play very, very well. We're going to play at a high level and continue to play at that high level. They added Dylan Batances, which I love. Uh, they still have Noah Syndergaard and Jake DeGrom for the time being. They still have Marcus Stroman, who I also really love. That's a great one, two, three. They added Rick Purcello, who, while he isn't as good as his Cy Young season with the Boston Red Sox, Purcello still adds a little bit of longevity in the rotation, a guy who necessarily doesn't get hurt all the time. He's still a pretty solid pitcher. Michael Waka, again, who's more of on a prove-me kind of situation where he was brought in to, again, kind of shore up the back end of the rotation. They've still got Edwin Diaz. They've still got Pete Alonso, who's coming off a phenomenal rookie season. They've still got Jeff McNeil, who I really like. There's a lot of great pieces to this team, but I'll agree with you, Jim. I don't think that they're ready to make any kind of playoff push right now. No, it's going to be quite some time because their biggest Achilles heel the past couple seasons 
has been their biggest strength, which is that starting pitching rotation because they cannot remain healthy. I don't know what's going on there in New York, but they have had issues for it seems like the past five seasons, at the very least, keeping everybody healthy. Yeah, they There's something something different there. I don't know if it's the culture of the team or the way that they're approaching the season in terms of uh, keeping their arms fresh or whatnot, but they, they just can't stay healthy. And I still think they should have moved Noah Syndergaard. Right. Yeah, Noah Syndergaard, uh, they could have easily gotten a huge package back for him and, and maybe filled a couple spots and then also grabbed a lot of great uh, young talents. They they would have gotten a lot for him midseason, but they decided to hang on to him. And I, I you know, I kind of feel bad for Jake DeGrom and Marcus Stroman and also Noah Syndergaard at the fact that they're always at the top of their game. Maybe not Stroman as much, but Syndergaard and DeGrom are always Cy Young candidates. They're always, you know, 10 plus win pitchers. And they're on a team where, you know, they're, they're still, it seems like the rest of the team is still trying to catch up to them. You know, they, Pete Alonso obviously is, is phenomenal for the Mets. Uh, I, like I said, I like Jeff McNeil. I like a lot of the other pieces they have, but it just feels like, you know, their rotation doesn't necessarily sort of match up with the production on the field, if that makes sense. Gee, Phil, if only we both knew a team that needed starting pitching and had decent prospects to deal for those arms. Would you be talking about the Los Angeles Angels, Jim? I mean, that would make sense. There's no way that could happen. Yeah, who knows? But, uh... (laughs) Uh, that would be nice though if the Angels grabbed uh, Noah Syndergaard. That would that would put them over the top. And we're going to predict we're, we'll we'll be doing the AL uh, divisions next week. Uh, we'll we'll kind of continue with our previews and we'll we'll go into the uh, the AL next week. But uh, um, moving now on to the rest of the NL the NL East, um, I've got the Nationals and the Marlins. I think the Mar- the Nationals are going to also take a step back. They added Eric Thames. They added Starlin Castro. I don't know third base. They didn't really they didn't f- if they had gotten Josh Donaldson that I would continue to put them in the top of the division, but they're going to have a rookie there this season, and I think it's Drupal Cabrera is the other third baseman they have. Their bullpen was a hodgepodge of of like misfit toys from other teams that they put together and won a World Series. I don't think that's going to work again this year, and the Marlins are still significantly rebuilding, but they added Matt Joyce, who is connected with me on LinkedIn, so I love the signing. Yeah, you know, as an Angels fan, I, I, I can't say any good things I know. I'm contractually obligated not to say any good things about him. I'm also not very happy with Matt Joyce, but he's connected with me on LinkedIn, so I guess I can't be too unhappy. Uh, You know, there's always that. Correct. Let's move on to the NL Central. Um, I have the St. Louis Cardinals at the top, but they are a very questionable at the top of the division for me. Yeah, the NL Central, again, it just seems like the NL, at least the last two divisions we've done, and, you know, there's only three, it just seems weak. Like, there's. There's one team that jumps out at you, but in the central, I, 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 and, until somebody can show that they can shut the Cubs up in terms of just beating them outright without any questions being left in terms of injuries or health, I, I got to stick with the Cubs. They're still young. I want to know if Chris Bryant's going to get traded, but I, I like the Cubs. I, I still like them. You know, I, I would agree with you with the Cubs, but I feel like the Cubs are another team that um, got over the hump and then have no idea how to get back into that same area. They won the World Series, then they got knocked out of the playoffs, then they didn't even make the playoffs, and then I think last year they didn't make the playoffs again. They lost Joe Madden as their manager. Clearly, um, 
They'll have a new manager this year and David Ross, so we'll see what he can do with the team. They still have a very talented squad. I mean, they've still got Chris Bryant. They've still got Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Javier Baez is one of the best defensive shortstops in the entire league and arguably one of the best offensive as well. Um, they've got another, just much much like the Mets, they've got so many great pieces, but they just don't really know anymore that blueprint is gone to make it back to the World Series because the NL Central is up for grabs. I've, I guess I've got the Cardinals at the top. I know I just said that, but... I really love what the Reds did this season. I think the Reds made a lot of smart moves this year, and they are going to be probably one of the teams to watch in the NL Central and going into the playoffs as well. Yeah, I, I have the the Reds as one of the teams that's going to come out of nowhere and surprise everybody because, like, like you said, they had so many good acquisitions. Nick Castellanos, Pedro Strope, Mike Moustakis. I mean, it, it's they've still got Nick Stencil. They've still got uh, who's their right fielder? He's got a weird name. Uh, oh my god! Well, regardless, it's yeah, thank you. That's going to be there. They got a lot of stuff that's going on, and the red, like you said, uh, the name you mentioned there is very, very interesting in Stencil because health has been his biggest thing. I know he, he battled uh, vertigo and, and some crazy stuff in the minors. And when he came up, he, he got injured as well, but that's a guy, if he stays right, is an MVP candidate. I have him on the MVP watch because that kid can play. Uh, it was, uh, Arsidius Equino. That's who I was uh, trying to remember. The, the power hitting right fielder who was just hitting tanks all last season. And yeah, I agree. A healthy Nick Stencil in center field is, is, a good thing for the Cincinnati Reds. Their pitching still continues to be a question mark. Um, they also didn't really nab any big-time free agents in terms of pitching. Their bullpen eh, is fine. They've still got Luis Castillo, who I really like, another guy they maybe should have traded. But now it seems like the Reds are in a period where they want to kind of build up a little bit more and, and maybe make a run at the playoffs, and that's good. Um, I love the addition of Nick Castellanos. I think Mike Moustakis is a great third-base upgrade, um, although I'm not sure if he's going to play third-base because they've got uh, Eugenio Suarez at third. So we'll see what happens with Mike Moustakis. But regardless, Moose proved that he can provide veteran leadership when he played for the Brewers. He won a World Series with the Royals. So I think him now going to Cincinnati is uh, is going to be a nice sort of send-off for him. I don't think he'll win the World Series. I don't think the Reds are even near uh, World Series contention. But I think if there's any team here that might surprise us in the NL Central, it's definitely the Reds. I've got the Brewers at the bottom, then the Cubs, and then the Pirates at the way bottom. Yeah, and you know what? While we're in the Central, my biggest question mark for the Cubs, which is going to be really the deciding factor in how that team goes this season, is the addition of the new manager, David Ross, because the hardest thing to do in any line of work, you ask somebody, when it's going from being one of the boys, one of the regular employees, and then you get that step up to where all your peers are now your subordinates. Right. So how you can deal with that commanding respect, well, some of them might look at him and go, okay, yeah, your manager, cool. You were my teammate just a couple seasons ago. Right. That's Managing the personalities is a lot different as a locker room leader as opposed to being a actual manager because now – Instead of one of us, you've become one of them in terms of the front office people. So uh, I have no doubt that David Ross is going to command that respect. I mean, he was already one of the most respected men in baseball when he was playing. Uh, That was the happiest story of the Cubs winning was David Ross getting his ring. And I don't see that becoming an issue, but it's still a point we have to talk about because, like I said, that's one of the hardest things to do in any line of work. 
Yeah, and another question mark for David Ross, too, would be how is he going to manage on the field? Obviously, managing the players is going to be one thing, and a lot of those guys, almost most of their roster, played with David Ross in 2016 when they won the World Series. But also, what kind of manager is David Ross going to be? We've seen new managers make significant mistakes early on. Is David Ross going to be you know, one of those managers that jumps in and, oh, man, the Cubs are back in it. They're, they're phenomenal. Or is he going to be a guy who struggles heavily early on? I, I mean, there's a lot of question marks for the Cubs right now for me where I can't put them at the top of the division. And honestly, even though I have the Cardinals at the top, I don't even know how strong the Cardinals are this season. I mean, they, they always seem to manage to get in the playoffs somehow. I love the addition of Kwon Hyung Kim, who won 17 games last year in Korea. He was a guy that I really wanted the Angels to go after. There was obviously that, that uh, the, the trade that sent Luis, uh, Luis Martinez. And uh, oh, I have the name in the top of my head. But it was another outfield prospect, a significant outfield prospect for the Cardinals. They were sent to the Tampa Bay Rays. They got a catcher and also Matt Libator back, who's a solid pitching prospect. From the Rays now on the Cardinals, so maybe we'll see him. But I don't, I don't know. I just, I know the Cardinals always somehow manage to make the playoffs, but I just, I can't feel super confident in putting them at the top because I know that the Reds are there, and I guess maybe the Cubs might might make a a, a nice uh, sort of run, and then the Brewers are still in this division. So let's shift over to the NL West, Jim. Who do you got winning the NL West? Oh man, there's this is a one team division. Everybody else is fighting for second place. It's, <laughs> it's the Dodgers, right? Yeah, uh, I think the addition, or at least the potential addition of Mookie Betts, this is uh, obviously at the time of recording, there's some question marks about the health of the prospect that's being sent from Minnesota to Boston, so they're probably re- reworking that deal, so Boston gets some more. There's talks that Kenta Maeda might go from Minnesota to Boston, and then other prospects might be fi- filed in and out. I don't know, but for right now, I agree 100%. The Los Angeles Dodgers are the best team in the NL West, arguably the best team in the NL. The addition of Mookie Betts just makes them even better. Cody Bellinger winning the world, uh, winning the uh, NL MVP. He's coming back on, off an MVP season. The Dodgers are hungry for a World Series after getting screwed out of two of them. Well, officially one, potentially two. They really want to get back and win the World Series. The addition of Mookie Betts makes them insanely good. Uh, and, we'll, I mean, of course... We have to also put in the potential of the Dodgers choke in the playoffs because that's always a possibility. Um, but uh, for right now... Or just the fact that all these personalities won't mesh well and the clubhouse will blow up because that's always an issue too. That is also true. Uh, that is very true. And the, Who knows how the, the addition of Mookie Betts, what it'll do to this team. I mean, personally, I don't think it's going to affect it too much, but I agree there are a lot of cooks in this kitchen and hopefully they can all work well together. They've got a great rotation, adding now Dustin May and Tony Gosselin, along with Walker Bueller and the remaining shallow carcass of Clayton Kershaw. This team has got a lot of potential. We'll see if they're able to execute. Number two for me is the San Diego Padres. Uh, They are significantly better than the Arizona Diamondbacks. As much as I do love some of the additions the Diamondbacks have made since I live in Arizona and they're the closest baseball team to me, um, I and they got our buddy Cole Calhoun, and they did get Cole. Uh, yes, they did get Cole Calhoun. That's right, they did. A, a fan favorite, one of our favorites, Cole Calhoun, uh, is also on the Arizona Diamondbacks along with Sterling Marte, who is addition. And then, of course, Madison Bumgarner for some reason is on the Diamondbacks. Along, you add him in with Robbie Ray. Their rotation is much better. Their bullpen is still terrible. There's still so many health issues around that whole team. They, I mean, the Diamondbacks. While the additions do help a lot, uh, their outfield is a lot better now with Starling Marte. Uh, there's still bullpen questions, rotation questions. They're just not better than the Padres in my mind. Yeah, I, I think this is the, the lone division so far that we're going to agree on because uh, after the Dodgers, I also have it going San Diego. Then I got the Rockies. 
Oh, okay. And then I've got uh, the Diamondbacks. I, I just think, like you said, there's too many question marks in Arizona. And until they can prove that they can get something going in the track record, they really don't have any leeway in terms of putting them up there. Like if the Dodgers were to completely bomb this season, right? next year we would still have them up there as our favorites. Right. Yeah, and no. It's just they have that track record. They have earned that respect to the point of, okay, so they had a down year. They can come back. Mm-hmm. Arizona doesn't have that. They have had many down years for a long time now. And they had such a good year in 2017 where they made the wild card. They played against the Dodgers in the first round of the playoffs, I guess technically because they were in the wild card game against the Rockies, which was an awesome game. I was still in college when it happened. I got a chance to go to game three to watch the Dodgers-Diamondbacks, which was a lot of fun. Um, And the Diamondbacks felt like, oh, man, they're going to start making a a little run for this division, and then they just fell apart. And now they're they're solidly at the, the middle to bottom of this this division consistently until they can really figure it out. I mean, honestly, I don't think they got enough back for Paul Goldschmidt. I, I don't think they got enough strong prospects from the Cardinals for Paul, Paul Goldschmidt, in my opinion. Um, I just I, I don't know what's going on with Arizona, but it seems like they're just doing the bare minimum just to keep fans in the seats and add a couple names. Uh, they did make it, uh, you know, they did make some moves this offseason. I don't want to completely neglect the, what the Diamondbacks have done. I mean, Starling Marte is a significant increase into their, uh, ex- excuse me, a significant upgrade in their outfield. Madison Bumgarner, along with Robbie Ray, I love, uh, but I just don't know. I don't. They just, just seem to never do enough to to really get back into consistent playoff talk. Yeah, I agree with you. And when we talk about uh, the talk about the Padres, mm-hmm. first off, I think that they have the most beautiful stadium in this division. Yes, I just want to throw that out there. Petco Park is yes. gorgeous. If you've never been to a game at Petco Park, I don't care who's playing, go see a game. You deserve it. It is gorgeous. Right. Uh, second off, they made some questionable moves last season, but the one thing that they have is still uh Manny Machado. Oh, I always I always butcher his name, but uh Tateas. Oh, uh, uh Fernando Tatis. Tatis, there yes, it is. Fernando yeah, Tatis you know. Jr. Yeah, exactly. He is a phenom. Yes. That kid is I mean, he's going to be doing some things for he's going to be some trouble in that division for a while. No, I agree 100%. I love Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, a buddy of mine is a Padres fan. He came down for spring training. I got to see him in spring training. The guy can hit. He can throw. He can run. He is going to be a five-tool player for the Padres for years, along with Manny Machado, along with Chris Paddock, uh, Joey Lucchesi. They've got so much potential, but it seems like the Padres are always five years away from from winning the division or making a significant playoff run. I just don't see it happening. They're relying too much on Kirby Yates. Their bullpen is not great. Their starting pitching rotation still has some question marks. They didn't make any big moves this offseason. They never got Francisco Lindor that they talked about. They never made moves for Mookie Betts. They felt, obviously, the Mookie Betts deal is not going to go their way. They didn't grab Noah Syndergaard. They didn't make a significant large move, that sort of turning point move, to make them World Series contenders. Yeah, and, you know, they, they've made some some moves recently, and actually it was announced today that uh, Nick Hundley, the former catcher, is now the senior director of baseball operations now that he's retired as a player. So that experience coming from off the field, on the field, uh, it remains to be seen. But also uh, Chris Young is actually taking up the director of on-field operations, which was previously held by Joe Torrey. So they're promoting from within in a way you look at it. So. I think that that's good for the culture of that team. You get Padre guys staying with the team 
to, to just start – you have to build camaraderie from the top to the bottom in, in, in a lot of sports. And this is a team that really has it because it's always been such just, just a hodgepodge of people thrown together because they make all these trades. But now you're actually getting, you know, a lot of a lot of Padre guys and former NLS guys in general staying within the in the division. So keeping that together from an administrative level, I think, is only going to help them create a winning culture around there mm-hmm. in terms of being Padres first and baseball players second. If that makes any sense. No, and it does. And I actually really like you know that they're they're sort of taking their own guys, guys that have gone up through their system, guys who have played for their teams for a long time. Chris Young pitched for years with the Padres. Uh, Nick Hundley ca- caught for the Padres for years. He was actually Nick Hundley's been passed around this division a few times. He was on the Rockies, I think, and then he was on the Giants. And I don't know if he's played for the Diamondbacks or Dodgers, but he was passed around for a little bit inside this division. And it's nice to see guys like that. You know, we we gave the example earlier with David Ross, kind of brought in as the manager. It's nice to see guys who started with the division kind of end their baseball careers with that team that they started with, regardless if it's in a front office position or if it's at a coaching position. So I don't know what Nick Young or, Chris, or excuse me, Nick Hudley or, or Chris Young bring to the Padres. Hopefully they can make some strong, smart executive decisions to put this team back on top. But the Padres have a plethora of prospects. I don't understand why they have not made a move for a Noah Syndergaard or even for a Francisco Lindor, because they need one more or two more pieces to really get them into the talks of being a constant playoff contender, because they've got such a strong young team. I, I mean, it has to be Lindor, right? Because right. that's the name that, that we've all that we've all heard, and it makes the most sense out of all those moves. You can go get a Noah Syndergaard, but I don't think your return on investment is going to be nearly as high as when you would have uh, Lindor coming, even even from a, I'd have to look at it, but even from a war standpoint, I, I always value people who can be in the lineup every day as opposed to someone who's going to be there every five or six days. Yeah, and I, I completely forgot to, to mention that they picked up Tommy Pham from the Tampa Bay Rays, and they were able to get rid of uh, Hunter Renfro, who has just been completely disappointing for the Padres all since he's been called up. But I love the addition of Tommy Pham. But he is not he's not Francisco Lindor. He's not Mookie Betts. Tommy Pham is going to definitely help the Padres this year, and that's why I've got him at number two. Um, but I don't think it's enough. And, and could you imagine, Jim, this infield with Manny Machado, Francisco Lindor, uh, excuse me, Fernando Tatis, Francisco Lindor at second, and Eric Hosmer. Nothing is getting past the infield. No, that that actually rivals what you know we have going on with the Angels because I think that that's the best defensive infield in baseball. But you add Lindor over, and it's it becomes no contest. Yeah, they they almost if they can add Francisco Lindor or Noah Syndergaard, and the Dodgers still add Mookie Betts, I would say both teams are relatively even. Now, I know the Dodgers might have a little bit of an advantage in terms of the starting pitching, but they still have some guys, you know, who knows what we're going to get from Dustin May, who knows what they're going to get from Tony Gosselin, you know, some of these rookies, or Julio Urias, um, as well as their bullpen with the issues with Kenley Jansen. But still, the Padres have the depth in their minor league system, much like the Dodgers, to make a huge move like this and still contend in the future. But the Padres never make moves. Yeah, and, and if we're looking at it on paper right now, I would give the Padres a slight edge only because 
we don't know what's going on with the Dodgers. There's there's the proposed Mookie Betts trade. Right. There's the the proposed if that goes through, then the trade with the Angels, which I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. But yes. there's no point in talking about it right now because everything is speculation. We don't know who the Dodgers are sending right now because everything is is in such a flux. San Diego, we know who's there. Yeah. We know who's going to be there. There's nothing. There's no question marks there now. The Dodgers still, even with or without the trades are the better team. But yeah. if we're talking about in terms of, of projection, mm-hmm. then the yeah, like you said, the Padres are right there. So, Jim, at the end of all of it, who uh, and we were going to initially go into our awards, but I'm kind of making a last-second change, and I think we should just do our predictions after we've, we've previewed all the divisions, and then we'll do our predictions in a separate show. So, Jim, who do you think at the end of this is going to represent the NL in the World Series this season? It's really hard to go against the Dodgers. I mean – even with all that question marks, if they land Mookie Betts, you show them, what other team has a better lineup? No, yeah, exactly. No, no, what no other team. team can roll 19 starting pitchers deep and have the best starting pitching? And that's not even bringing in, you know, the immense bullpen. Like, the Dodgers have a potential dynasty in place right here. Yeah, uh, and, and it just kind of hedges on can they – the real question is can they get over that hump? I mean – they were in the World Series at the end of the last decade. They were constantly winning. They've, I, I think the Dodgers have won the NL West since 2010 consistently every single year. Now, whether they went to the World Series or had success in the playoffs is, is nor here or there. But um, and, and I don't know if that's 100% accurate. But they have basically been the NL West champ every single year since about, well, the start of, last, of the last decade. And now we're entering the 2020s. And the question is, can the Dodgers – get over that hump. I also have the Dodgers representing the NL in the World Series, uh, but I also kind of want to hedge my bets and say, don't forget about the Braves. Don't forget the, forget about the Phillies. Those are two teams that have made significant moves. Marcelo Suna, along with Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman, Marcelo, uh, uh, Ozzie Albies, I don't want to face that lineup in the, in the postseason. In a short five-game series, I don't want to face them. I'd rather face them in a seven-game series away from Atlanta, where I can keep them away from their home longer, where they're not having three straight games in Atlanta after two in, at home. The Phillies have made significant upgrades. They're also going to be really good this year. I, I have the Dodgers tentatively. This is, of course, pre-Mookie Betts trade. If the Dodgers get Mookie Betts, yes, I agree. They're going to they're gonna be the, the NL West, uh, excuse me, they're going to win the division, and they're going to be the representative in the World Series. If they don't get Mookie Betts, honestly, I might put the Braves there. Even without Mookie Betts, I'm still going to have the Dodgers there. And like you were saying, talk about the last decade of the NL West. They have won the NL West consistently since the since the 2013 season. So no, there have been no other winners since the 2013 season. Uh, 2010, of course, was the Giants. Oh, okay. They won the World Series That's and right. in 2012. Sandwiched in between that were the Arizona Diamondbacks. But the Dodgers, in winning this division, their least – highest win total is 91 wins that is Insane. rough math in my head of a 5.5600 some somewhere around there of winning percentage yes. other teams would kill for that that is their lowest total in in this run they have going yeah and they have consistently been to at least the divisional series in that entire run there are teams that we mentioned that haven't even touched 90 wins in about eight or nine years. So 
you know, it's just kind of like the rich get richer. Uh, just kind of wrapping up the NL West, I've got the uh, D-backs at three, the Rockies at four, and the Giants at five. So, Jim, let's pretend, at least let's mention the news, Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling are on their way to Los Angeles from Los Angeles, funny enough. I, we talked about this in our Facebook group, I love this move for both sides. The Angels get a power-hitting right fielder. Granted, Jock Peterson has struggled against lefties, but my God, when he gets a hold of the ball, he launches it. He's got a he's a decent outfielder. You're not do not put him at first base, please. If there's anything about the Jock Peterson first base experiment that we learned about, it's keep Jock Peterson the hell away from from first base and leave him in the outfield. I love him in right field. Yeah, Jock, Jock Peterson at first base is the equivalent of Matthew McConaughey at cornerback. Yeah, I, I I might as well be playing first base because I think I'm a better fielder at first than Jock Peterson is. But regardless. Putting him in right field and then shifting him to left field when Joe uh, Adele get brings up or comes up, excuse me, is just going to make this team so much better. Now you've got when Joe Adele comes up, you've got a lineup with Joe Adele, Jock Peterson, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, uh, David Fletcher, Andrew Simmons. Uh, it's just it, it's it's an it, this is one of the best Angels lineups. Of course, this is projected because the trade has not officially gone through yet. But when it does happen. Oh, my God. It is going to be beautiful to watch the Angels this season with all of those great bats in their lineup. I'll be honest with you. Come around the All-Star break season, when Joe Adele is ready to be called up, Mm -hmm. I do not believe Jock Peterson will be on this team. You think they're going to move him? I believe he is the biggest trade ship they will have to offer. One-year deal, they can get a haul for him. They really could. And that's why I love this deal more than anything because he becomes, if the team starts to struggle, you can ship him off and, and retool even more, knowing you're not going to lose too much on the uh, on the hitting aspect because Joe Waddell is going to come in. You're not really going to miss much of a step. Right. Well, and then also you can move Jock Peterson to an AL team that can utilize him as a DH, and you could possibly help solve your starting rotation problems, and you can also kind of solve maybe your bullpen issue and add a strong arm or two uh, into this rotation and kind of, I guess, you know, once Joe Adele comes up, whatever they decide to do, the trading away Jock Peterson going off of your theory here, um, it could really help them, uh, like you said with Bryce Harper, addition by subtraction. I would love, and this, this is just, just spitballing off the top of my head mm-hmm. to send Jock Peterson to the Mets for Noah Syndergaard and throw in a Brandon Marsh as well. Yeah, and then you fill everybody's needs all the way around. And also, I just, I just really, really want to see Thor in an Angels uniform. That's just me, though. Well, you, I mean, you add Thor to that rotation along with Otani if he comes back healthy, and you've got Julio Tehran, you've got Ross Stripling now, who significantly increases the uh, the starting rotation. Um, I feel like I'm missing another starting pitcher. Uh, oh, uh, Andrew Heaney. Also Andrew Heaney in this rotation as well. Um, and Dylan th- Bundy as well. And Dylan Bundy. is Yeah, exactly. Uh, Stripling has struggled with some injuries, um, but when he's healthy, he's really good. Um, I think if Otani can come back, come back healthy, you've got Otani, you've got uh, Stripling, you've got Heaney, you've got Tehran, you've got Dylan Bundy, and then you've got Griffin Canning, you've got Pena, you've got a couple other guys, Dylan Peters. We'll see what we'll get for him last next season. There's still uh, there's a lot of potential with this Angels rotation now, even without trading Jock Peterson, who, yeah, trading him to the Mets for Noah Syndergaard would be nice. 
I, I don't I think it's obviously going to have to be more pieces added to that and subtracted or whatever. In fact, if the Angels can somehow get Noah Syndergaard and Edwin Diaz, oh man, that, that's it. The Angels are going to be a contender again. Is there anybody more happy about this trade than Ross Stripling? Simply because he goes from probably not making that rotation yeah. in, in for the Dodgers to he might very well be the opening day starter for the Angels. Yeah, he really can, especially with the question marks around Shohei Otani. He definitely could be the the opening day guy. I think they'll still roll with Heaney, but I agree. If if Heaney can't go, because he's also struggled with injuries, and, and Ross Stripling is the number one guy for the Angels to begin the season, I think midway through the season with how good their offense is and how much better it's going to get when they add Joe Adele, uh, it makes the Angels uh, quite scary in the AL West, which we will be previewing next week. Are they are they a top five lineup? Yeah, they're definitely a top five lineup. I, I would say so. They're they're definitely up there in the AL. Um, I don't I can't think off the top of my head of every team right now, but uh, yeah, they they are no no question definitely top ten. The only team I can I can think off the top of my head to put up there in in in, in a top category above them mm-hmm. is probably the Astros. In that division, just in the AL in general. Um, well, the Yankees. Oh, yeah, they're always around, aren't they? They're also a team who play in the AL. Yeah, but I, I think overall, you can hit all the all the home runs you want. They, they, they put a bunch of money in for a guy who really should be an angel, but I won't go there. I'm already still mad about that. Garrett Cole! I, I, I think the Angels are an overall better team than the Yankees. Um... Well, we can get to that next week when we talk about the uh, the Los Angeles Angels. So, Jim. Hey, look at that. It's like we're, we're uh, previewing a preview. Yes, we are. Next week, Jim will be back. We'll be talking about the AL, the entire AL. And then the week after that, we'll get into our predictions. And by then, spring training will start, and uh, we'll talk more about the Angels. Hopefully, this Jock Peterson move goes goes through. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast, B-L-E-A-V.com. Uh, my social media, at intern underscore Phil. Jim, where can they find you on Twitter? Hey, you can find me everywhere on social media at Sir James Radio. Sir James Radio. Uh, if you're interested in advertising, again, at com. We've got a bunch of great shows on this network. Go check them out. We've got shows covering my favorite football team, the San Francisco 49ers. I think we have a Broncos show. I'm not entirely sure yet, Jim. Uh, hopefully we've, we've got one in the works for you if we don't have one. Uh, you can literally find a show for any topic and any person, any personality type. So with that, Jim, we'll talk to them next week. Later, guys. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.